21CL Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Education Vanguard. So happy to have you here. My name is Michael Bull, and I am your host, and I want to thank you for joining me today and for joining us on our mission, which is, of course, building communities of learners. Today, I've got the general manager of Steelcase, which designs some awesome furniture for schools, and his name is Sean Corcoran. A good teacher understands that the environment of a classroom impacts the behavior of the students. A chaotic environment creates chaotic emotions sometimes, and a calm environment creates, well, usually calm behaviors. But what if, as teachers, we had an easy way to impact the arrangement of our room and thus define or encourage the emotional responses we want from our students? Today, I talk with Sean Corcoran. He's the general manager for Steelcase about the state of classroom design today, the research they are doing regarding its impact on learning, and the options we now have available for classroom design. Believe it or not, we can actually start to think about a departure from the traditional classroom look that's been around for about a zillion years. Enjoy the conversation. Sean Corcoran, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. My, my pleasure. Well, I'm excited here to talk to you about design and design of classrooms and those sorts of things. And last month or so, President Barack Obama got up and gave his State of the Union address. And typically, a president will get up and say, the State of the Union is sound or safe or wonderful. But I, I wanted to ask you not so much about the State of the Union, but the State of Classroom Design today. So if you were mm-hmm. going to get up and make that similar presentation, how, what would you say the state of classroom design today is? Well, with some exceptions, I would say obsolete. And, okay, that's a strong uh, statement. <laughs> yeah, and I would, I would say that because the model of the classroom, the physical classroom especially, um, I often say classroom in quotations, but the, the model of the physical classroom has not really changed much in hundreds of years, uh-huh. in fact, if uh, if you go back, if you if you Googled medieval classroom, <laughs> uh, you'd see a picture of a podium with a quote teacher might be a uh, you know a priest or or something at the front of the room with rows of pews with people sitting in them, and so I think the model goes back many hundreds of years, uh, and it just really hasn't changed much and. And so I would say, yes, obsolete in general, and uh, it, it's, it's really in need of change. So I think a lot of teachers could agree, because the state or the way we teach has changed over time. Do you think that's the main reason, or do you think our students have changed, or maybe it's just both? It's definitely both. I mean, I think the students definitely have changed. I mean, there aren't students going into you know, school these days that haven't um, had access to new technology, the Internet, you know, they, uh, video games, you know, things that, that didn't exist maybe 40, 50 years ago. And so I think the students have definitely changed and their, their expectations are different uh, than they used to be. And teaching has definitely changed. I think we, you know, through neuroscience and studies of how people learn and how the brain works, uh, we know a lot more about how people learn and what works and what, uh, what doesn't work as well. And and I think that uh, the combination of changes in pedagogy, which is really behavioral changes in the classroom and changes in students, has led to you know, an insufficient um, support uh, of those changes in the physical environments of learning. So 
how do you, you know, I, I read through your stuff, and you, know, you talk about doing research for classroom mm-hmm. design. How do you go about doing that? I mean, I, th- I think back, I don't know, to Steve Jobs when he brought out the iPhone. I couldn't have described, I like it, uh, but I couldn't describe mm-hmm. that's what I wanted. So how do you mm-hmm. do research for what I, as a teacher, w- would actually want or need in my classroom? Well, we start with secondary research. So we want to understand, uh, you know, we're not... Um, I'm not an educator, uh, but I'm a, I'm a designer and I'm a design researcher. And so we try to understand w- how is teaching changing, uh, read a lot about pedagogy. We learn things about things like constructivist theory of, of teaching and teaching to each individual student and trying to improve that, you know, the, the way that we educate uh, students. So that's, that's part of it. That's secondary research, uh, reading the literature, reading the research. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the key, another key aspect is a very uh, human-centered design research approach where we actually go into classrooms, we go into libraries, and we watch what's going on. And we look for um, you know, workarounds, we look for barriers, we look for challenges that the teachers or the students have in engaging in the learning. And those, mm-hmm. those, those, uh, those observations lead to insights that lead to opportunities to design new types of learning environments. All right, let's talk about that. You're doing human design research. Uh, you walk into a classroom or a library or whatever. What are you guys seeing now today mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. makes you want to change things and label a classroom setup obsolete? Well, so we see things like we'll walk into typical classrooms, and when I said obsolete, I'm talking about you know the classroom you walk into. There's rows of of chairs or rows of tables and chairs sure. with a, a chalkboard or a whiteboard at the front of the room. The teacher's standing at the front. They might be standing at a lectern, and they're and they're talking at the students. They're downloading content, downloading information. Um, in 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 some cases, if we see teachers who are trying to change it up. Maybe they want to uh, uh, lecture for five or ten minutes, set up a group uh, problem, have students break into groups and work on that problem, and then after working on it maybe for 20 or 30 minutes, then maybe have a discussion, a debate, you know, a presentations from the different groups. It's very hard to do that in traditional, quite static, rather fixed classrooms. And so mm-hmm. we see barriers to you know, changing the behavior and changing the activities uh, due to the classroom design and the and the selection of the you know the furniture and and the things that are in that that classroom. But that's one thing I'm interested in about you. You've talked in the past about environment behavior theory that the, mm-hmm. the setup of the classroom itself. And I think any good teacher knows a. If you bring students into a classroom where everything's just thrown all over the place, their behavior becomes somewhat thrown all over the place. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about environment behavior theory, what it is and how it works yeah. and well, its impact? So at environment behavior theory um, speaks to sort of our, our learned behaviors, our, our conditioned behaviors. So sometimes I use the example of, you know, walking into a, a cinema, you know, movie theater and, you know, you're your eyes start to acclimate to the darkness and you look for a place to sit. And if you see, you know, an open um, a series of seats in one area or, you know, so you could choose between sitting, you know, by yourself or with the person you go with or sitting mm-hmm. in between two people you don't know, what are you going to pick? And typically well, you're gonna, people... Yeah, you're going to hide by yourself. Yeah, so. right. And so because, why is that? Well, because... It's a, actually a, it's a learned behavior. It's a, a situational behavior. So 
So we are conditioned, it's kind of in our neocortex, that if we get very close to somebody we, we don't know, that you know, our senses are very heightened. So, so that's an example of a sort of a conditioned behavior. And so um, the, the closer we are to people we don't know, uh, the more we have maybe a, a, that kind of, kind of fight or flight uh, uh, response. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if we're further away from somebody we don't know, we don't have the same level of, you know, intense reaction. And so, you know, uh, pick a lecture hall. If you walk into a lecture hall and you're in the same kind of situation as a cinema, you know, and you sit next to somebody that you don't know or on either side or they're all around you, people you don't know, you might be a little more tense than if you're sitting next to people you do know. So lecture halls tend to, um, you know, cause uh, people to react in a little, maybe in some ways, a, a negative way or, a, you know, that fight or flight way. Sure. Um, and so, so the, the physical environment, um, uh, this, uh, this sort of situational behavior can actually impact how comfortable we are in a, in a physical environment or how uncomfortable we are. And so, you know, how do we design to support uh, people uh, to be, um, you know, comfortable, relaxed, and engaged and that's what we're always looking for. And the answer to that is? Well, is there an answer? <laughs> um, well, there is an answer. I mean, I think, uh, you know, in some cases, initially, and in maybe a new classroom, having enough space between people is a good thing. Um, having eye-to-eye contact where you can get to know somebody as opposed to sitting in a row of tables and chairs and looking at the back of somebody's head. Yeah. Um, you know, these are all things that, that we can design better. Um, that's just one aspect of it. Another aspect um, is the whole idea of if if we do want to change the behavior so that we want students to be able to work in groups, well, if they can't move things around, if they can't literally you know move the furniture easily, one, they might not do it, and therefore it might not be a very effective uh, learning environment to work in teams, in groups. So after doing this research, are there classrooms then that you guys have designed that like really excite you that you could tell us about now and maybe paint as much of a visual picture as possible as to what that would look like? Well, one thing, I mean, one thing we've learned from our research, um, it's, it's very simple, but it's very effective. And that is the idea of just having a chair that swivels okay. um, so that, you know, as the conversation's moving around the room, um, as the content maybe is moving around the room, if there are whiteboards around the room, you can actually swivel in your chair and follow that, uh, you know, that conversation. Um, and, and, and another one is just uh, casters, wheels on the chairs. So uh-huh. if you have the ability to rotate in your chair and move from point A to point B in, in your chair, then it's a lot easier to move into a group you know, and work with a group it's a lot easier to follow the conversation. It's, it's a lot easier to stay engaged. So, so it's, that's not rocket science, but we find it's, it's, it's quite effective. Um, another, another thing we see is better leverage of the vertical surfaces in the room. So, you know, whiteboards, analog uh, capture and display is still very important. You know, it's not just about typing notes on a computer. Uh-huh. And so the ability to, you know, leverage those vertical planes, those vertical surfaces better so maybe more whiteboards it might be a good thing, or even mobile whiteboards is a good thing. Uh, and then, you know, how, how the technology uh, that is deployed in the room is deployed. Um, can everybody see it? Can everybody hear it? Um, do students have access 
kind of a democratization of the access to the technology. So Mm -hmm. if student A or student B or student C is called on by the teacher, can they push their content to the displays in the room? These are all sort of trends we're seeing uh, growing. It's interesting when you talk about whiteboards because when, like our school, for example, has pretty much yanked out all the smart boards and now are starting to paint the walls with the type of paint that you can draw on. So there seems to have been a transition from general whiteboard to everything needs to be tech-related. We can do it on our computers too. Well, that's not any fun. Let's go back to even bigger whiteboard spaces. Is this something Mm -hmm. you're seeing as well? And is there maybe a behavior behind that? Well, we we definitely see that. I mean, I think there's a trend to to more whiteboard type um, surfaces. Uh, you know, one thing we've, we've learned in our research is that the way that we remember information is different, whether we type it into a computer or write it on you know, a piece of paper or a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the other thing about a, a, a whiteboard or, you know, especially in a room, in, in a, at room scale, is as, you know, the room, the, the, the groups, the individuals, the teachers writing on the board, there's a certain sort of contextual memory that that exists that you know the the handwriting the pictures the drawings and all it's different than typing you know into a into into a key computer so um and again it goes into long-term memory differently and so what we've learned is that it's important it both are important you know the ability to take notes on a computer is a good thing but the ability to to capture notes capture information in an analog fashion um you know kind of that related to that kinesthetic learning that we know about. You know, um, some people have, uh, uh, you know, the ability to maybe learn a little, maybe have a learning preference a little more towards the kinesthetic side, you know, taking notes versus mm-hmm. audio versus versus visual. And so, you know, analog capture and display is, uh, is, a, is a real important augmentation to other forms of digital capture and display. So you talked earlier about how you guys are supportive of chairs that have casters on that can change, it can move, so we can create different learning spaces or environments within a classroom. But you know, I don't really, if I was going to walk into most classrooms, I don't think I'd see that. I don't think I'd even see that next year. Mm-hmm. It seems kind of, as you mentioned, almost obvious that that's a benefit. Mm-hmm. Where's the resistance to all this? Why hasn't that already happened 20, 30 years ago? What are we well, waiting for? Well, yeah, what we're seeing, we're seeing pockets of innovation. Um, and uh, but it's not you know ubiquitous yet. There's a lot of pressure. I mean, there's everything from cost pressures to you know the teachers that are teaching today were typically taught that way themselves, and so uh-huh. that's what they know. So I think we have to uh, we have to get schools of education to uh, experiment with new teaching environments and learning environments. So actually teach future teachers in these new environments so they learn about them. Okay. Um, so that's I think that's. There's a couple of barriers there. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a tremendous amount of inertia in education uh, against change. Uh, mm-hmm. And while higher education, there's a tremendous amount of research that goes on, it's amazing how um, there's, there's been a, a relative lack of innovation in, you know, the education environments themselves. So I think what we're finding that works to help get over that barrier is, you know, just piloting, prototyping, testing, trying these things out building kind of a grassroots uh, approach, you know, getting teachers that want to try new things and, uh, you know, and trying them out and measuring results. And uh, we're finding that it is definitely, there's a, there's a trend to a more active, dynamic, interactive, flexible uh, classroom environment. 
Are, are you saying a young person sitting there passively listening is not the best way to learn? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying, and I think the research <laughs> will tell you that. And, you know, it, it very much has to do with that engagement factor, that if students, you know, are, are more, if they really feel engaged in the learning, if they really own the learning, um, if they feel responsible for their learning and are engaged, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be more successful. We talk about active learning leading to better student engagement, leading to better uh, learning outcomes and, and student success. And and active is di- very different than passive, what you just described. Sitting there, sit there, be quiet, take notes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just not as engaging. Now, in your TEDx talk, you talked a little bit about measurable results to having a different type of classroom space or environment that we've talked about so far. Uh, I'm assuming those are going to be positive. What were some of the things you discovered? Definitely. Uh, so we've we've been studying this now. We've been doing a survey uh, with both higher education and, and high schools for probably about the last four years. We have over 2,000 students and over 200 faculty in that study, and we're seeing very consistent results. So when we compare students in traditional static, you know, row by column, seating, you know, teacher mm-hmm. at the front classrooms to these more flexible, reconfigurable uh, classrooms. We see a significant increase in student engagement. Uh, we measure 12 different um, uh, measures of, of engagement, uh, everything from the, the teacher's ability to get to the student and assess the student to the different uh, teaching modes that the, that the teacher uses, the ability to work in teams and collaborate these kinds of things. Um, and so as reported by the students, um, we see a, a significant consistent increase in their reported engagement um, on, on these 12 metrics. We also ask them uh, a number of qualitative questions um, like uh, to what extent were you engaged in class, to what extent were you uh, motivated to attend class, Mm-hmm. Uh, things like that, and on all of these parameters, the the re, uh, the student re, uh, reported um, measures are are increased significantly, uh, fifty to in some cases almost a hundred percent. Wow! So in a lot of ways, it's just that if you create an environment where a student wants to, I don't know, in a sense, hang out, uh, it looks forward to going to and being part of, then their attention is going to increase. Right. I mean, I think one leads to the other. We're, we're actually seeing anecdotally. Um, also that, and we're hearing this from, from teachers, that in some of these new classrooms that we've piloted, um, they're seeing uh, attendance go up. Uh, so that's uh, especially, wow. I mean, in, in, the, in the higher education where attendance isn't mandated, uh, we're seeing uh, that start to, to uh, uh, come, come to play. All right, we're getting towards the end here. I wanted to ask you a final question. I, I always like to ask people to uh, look further out. And so, Sean, what is it? It's exciting to you that you see coming into the future uh, for design. Besides the fact that we're going to have flying cars going by the window in the future, <laughs> what, what do you think is going to be taking place, in, hopefully, in the classroom that's going to be even as good or better than what you've talked about so far? Well, I think, I think a big trend we're seeing is to, um, to try to tailor the learning to each individual student where they are, um, even in a group environment. So this, ten, this, this, this trend towards personalized learning um, uh, related to that blended learning, you know, you're, you're hearing about the flipped classroom, probably the idea of, you know, doing, doing, um, 
uh, homework in class and lecture at home online or even in a coffee shop. So this, this movement to trying to, to personalize the learning through both technology and you know, different practices in the classroom is a big trend we're seeing. Uh, this move to a more blended approach where uh, it's a combination of both online and face-to-face is more, you know, the, res- the early uh, results are, look- are showing that the, you know, blended learning is more effective than either online alone or face-to-face alone. So definitely, I think that's going to impact the classroom design um, to have, you know, even more flexibility, uh, better leverage of technology. Um, and I, I think, um, you know, it's probably going to be hard to predict. I, uh, I think, you know, where the, where the classroom will be in 20 years, I think we'll still have classrooms. I think they'll look very differently, very different uh, than they do today on both the technology side on a pedagogical side, on a space and furniture side, um, and I think uh, all of that is going to add up to you know more engaged students and more 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 successful students. I've been speaking with Sean Corcoran. He is the general manager of Education Solutions at Steelcase. Hey, Sean, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Michael. My pleasure. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com. <laughs>